0: Hey everybody, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to Bit About Crypto. I'm David James, the job whisperer, and uh, I'm here again with my host, Dave Hampton, the robo-recruiter. Morning. Talk about it.
1: What would you like me to talk about? It. Are
0: you Are you uh, hunting heads? Uh, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Don't, don't let the humble six-foot-seven <laughs> frame fool you. Does Mozart play piano? <coughs> does he, does well, he compose music? Well, wow, wow. I mean, I, you're that good? <coughs> I mean, I, I would prefer... I can just play. Okay. You can just play. That's right. Like, kind of yeah. like Matt Damon in uh, Goodwill Hunting. He just does the math, right? right. <coughs> so welcome to Bit About Crypto, and Bit About Crypto <coughs> is a podcast really designed to actually, it's a human interest story to help people uh, from all walks of life come in and tell their story and and how the genesis of crypto found them. But specifically, uh, what's important about our podcast is we always want to have a theme on how uh, crypto, blockchain, NFTs, whatever you want to call it, that space is changing the job market. And... uh, it, it of course is sponsored by uh, our recruiting firm, Blockchain Recruiters. So if you're out there and you're interested in getting a job in the blockchain, NFT, you know, crypto space in some capacity, you need to actually email me at David J at blockchainrecruiters.net. Blockchainrecruiters.net. Remember the net, net, net. Because if you don't put net, you won't be caught in my net. And if you're looking for people in the blockchain space, and you need programmers or community managers, BD people, you know the usual suspects. There's like it's always twenty. It seems like there's always right, David. It seems like there's always twenty different positions that people are asking for. And yeah,
1: you know, I think it. I think it's. Uh, I think there's five main rotating positions. But but the key thing is, I think, is that. Uh, you have a lot of skills that are be, going to be transferring from other industries, right. you know, from the finance world. So you know, like compliance, and right, and you know, things, and trading, and that that always transfer over.
0: What we're finding is people are actually taking attitude, right, over uh, skills like uh, passion over pedigree, right? Yeah. Capability versus experience. Yeah, it's
1: it's like Simon uh, Sinek says, right? You you hire. You hire for attitude, you teach the skills.
0: Well yeah, that's and that's literally that's what Southwest does, right? right. They, they they see what your aptitude or what your attitude is first. Right. And then they figure out are you gonna be a pilot or work in the bags. Right. <laughs> right? But you could right. be working for Southwest. Yeah. Hey, since you mentioned that, what are the five that you see? The five lines that you pretty much see? I that's the,
1: interesting. Oh, you mean just the road? To, uh, I, I think it's it's like you have the non-technical and you have the technical. Right. I think I think that's really what the, the so on the technical side, you're going to have engineers, you know, whether it's programming in uh, React or whatever. Yeah, N- right. Name, name, name the program. Wax, solid solid solidi- right. e- solidity, right et cetera, et cetera. Uh, blockchain engineers. So you got blockchain end, engineers develop front-end, back-end, right? I think I think they're just, you know, same coin, different sides, if you ask right. me. <laughs> okay. um, so, and then you have the non-technical, which is marketing and BD. Right, right. compliance, are, and then and then you have you know sometimes the, like n- then you have the accounting, which you know accounting compliance trading, which are but, all finance. Uh, but also
0: now in our NFT spaces, we've got searches for like curators, right for the and, and yeah, art I, appraisers.
1: I, I think that's going to be rare, though. But, but
0: we're getting I, them. You know that in our firm, we're getting searches. Hey, find me yeah. one of these.
1: Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean it's, it's coming. It's uh, coming. Yeah, and, yeah. You
0: know, catalog managers, people who can manage the NFTs. But anyhow. All right. So if you're looking for a job in crypto or you're looking for someone who wants a job in crypto, you find us. And the thing about it is, is that you don't necessarily have to work in crypto now. You just need to want to and have an attitude and a passion for where you see yourself. And we'll try and help you. You know, uh, I want to just talk to you, David, before we get started. You know, when we met seven years ago, you asked me, hey, how many books do you read? And I said, well, lately I haven't been reading many because I've been, you know, in this current goal, mm-hmm. right? Living my life, commuting back and forth out of town and then, you know, building this practice that when I first hired you and made you a recruiter and you and as we have become partners, you've been really, uh, you know, one of my best I don't know, accountability, kicking the butt kind of guys to get me to read. I remember you, you, you were doing like two bucks a month at one time.
1: Yeah, it, it started as, it started as uh, one book a month, and then we, we gravitated towards two. Yeah. And, and then it's yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. You read the Hardy Boys series, and then you read the Nancy... I'm kidding. So anyhow, <laughs> but the reason I'm saying that to you is, is I, I, I started thinking, when you said that to me back in 2015, I started thinking about what I was reading. Right? And I started looking, I, I found that I was like reading the same echo chamber stuff, right? And I started reading like people that were talking about not what's really happening now, but the why of what's happening now and what's actually gonna happen later. And the reasoning before that, right? And so I found that I was drawn to certain authors. And I, I, I choose my words carefully because when I say, hey, I read the alternative media, right? That people always think that I'm like, you know, signing up to Alex Jones, right? And I'm not, but I'm, I'm looking for people who are sp- speaking a truth but not heard, right? And that's, that's kind of like what I was saying about Bitcoin and crypto back in 2013 when I first met you. Yeah, I was already talking about Bitcoin, and everybody goes, yeah, well, what is it? It's kind of like in the 50s when they're talking about disco. I'm telling you, it's coming. Anyhow, horrible analogy. But the reason I, I wanted to say that is <clears throat> our next guest he has really so profoundly changed the way I see, I see and think about things as far as what's happening in our world from a macro level, in our economy, in the elections. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it seems to me that if you talk about like any type of media, like the news, right, or, or you know, whatever, CNN or NBC News, they're talking about what's happening now. And, then, and if somebody coughs, they're talking about that cough. But our next guest, Charles Hugh Smith... He always seems to be talking about what happened way before the cough, right? And he talked about the genesis and and he lines up a pattern of what it is right and and then he always says if this keeps happening Then it's it's almost like a smart contract if this then that he goes if this keeps happening Then that's gonna happen and I've been going to his articles right uh, at of two minds With just voracious passion. I just every time his articles come out. I just want to read them and Uh, he has talked about crypto in a general way, and I just consider ourselves so privileged and honored to actually have him as a guest. So with no further ado, can we welcome, please, Charles Hugh Smith. Welcome to a Bit About Crypto. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So, um, anyhow, so, so what's the best crypto and what should we buy? I'm totally kidding. I'm a joke. It was just, it's a joke. <laughs> um, so, yeah, before we get started, um, I know a little bit about your past. I know that, I think, did you go to Panahua High School in uh, Honolulu and graduated <clears throat> in 71? Yep, that's, I, I did. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and tell, tell everybody what makes that high school famous now, other than the fact that you went there. Well, yeah, I was just uh, a a smudge
2: on the wall, actually. But uh, President Obama graduated uh, from Punahou in in, uh, 1978. So he's the he's the the rock star uh, alumni of that school. And um, so and then I went on to the University of Hawaii there in in Honolulu as well. So.
0: Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I know that 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 has always been like the high school to get in, right? It's not, you don't just go there because you live in the neighborhood, right? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I can talk about being lucky is that my uh, stepfather got a job as- Being what? Math there. Uh, Being what? (laughs) No, no, explain to our audience, being what? Say it again. Okay.
2: My stepfather got a job at Punahou. And so I was um, given a a shot at entering. And, you know, I I had pretty good grades from public school. So I'm, I'm sh- I, I have to say there was probably a thumb on the scale in my okay uh, benefit.
0: <laughs> okay, but you use a term like being wacky? Is that... It? Lucky. Oh, being lucky. Okay. Yeah, he was I,
1: he was fortunate that uh, he had a... Yeah, a, a, I understand a, yeah. the word
0: lucky. I yeah. just, I'm old and I I'm probably just, didn't put the Q-tip in this morning. Yeah. And so anyhow. It, it, you see, it's okay. When you become my age, Charles, I, you'll see. I give see. you a pass every day. Don't yeah. worry. I need it every day. Okay, <laughs> so you got into... So tell me... You know, in retrospect, what you learned that maybe you wouldn't have learned going to public high school in Hawaii, having gone to Panahou? Well, I think um, it's something that we all experience at some point in our
2: lives. And the earlier you you do experience it, the better off you are, which is you go to a place where you thought you were pretty smart or pretty good at whatever it is. um, And then you discover there's tons of people who are just as good, as you and much uh, better, actually, and you're going to be um, in in tremendous competition, you know. And there's a certain Darwinian uh, aspect of it. As as nice as we can be about it, the bottom line is, you really are going to have to work hard, you know, to match people who have natural talents far uh, above your own. And you're going to have to choose your field. Uh, carefully because if if you're going to try to go and do something that you're not really that motivated in or that talented in then you know you've chosen a path that's going to be rocky you know and so um i I learned that because there was just a ton of you know smart elite type people and not everybody was a genius but um people had, had natural talents athletic uh uh, you know, STEM, you know, math, science, um, art. I mean, everybody was good at everything. And so it's kind of disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, <laughs> but the sooner you learn that, the better off you are, because then you realize this is the way the real world works.
1: It's, uh, it's very interesting because it reminds me of a, a book I, I read recently, uh, not too long ago, uh, David vs. Goliath, Malcolm Gladwell book. He, ah, talks, right. he talks about that very idea regarding... He, he talks about you, you know, the, the student going into a top elite school, Brown, Yale, Harvard, and, and they're, they're top of the you know, in their, their class, but they go to those schools and they become diminished in a way because yeah. they don't realize the competition that they're going into. And then in the arguments being made, hey, if the, if, if, is it an advantage for you to go into a smaller pond and be a bigger fish? Or go in there into a bigger pond and be a small fish and how does that how does that really and, uh, the,
0: and the correct answer is it depends yeah it, <laughs> it it
1: it how does it affect your psyche is kind of what he's yeah. talking about like the that angle the whole book is about you know it, thinking that one advantage is a disadvantage versus a disadvantage and advantage kind of thing, so it's interesting. Interesting. Insight.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that is really a good context. And if you get into some situation where you're dealing with a lot of people who are really smart and experienced and better than you, if you can survive, then you gain that uh, right. kind of sense of self. Uh, That's right. Self value. like yeah. oh, well, Gee, I got,
0: only got a C plus, but guess what? I I passed. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I experienced that as a golfer. I mean, literally, I've been been taking lessons. I take lessons in practice more than I actually play, and I'm still a 13. And, you know, it just dawned on me about nine months ago, you're never getting better than this because you lack the talent. It just is a fact, right? It would have gotten better by now. And so what you're talking about happens, you see it happening in athletics all the time, right? This is the greatest high school player, all state, all this. Then he goes to college, and then there, there are 10 of those trying for the same spot right then he goes to the pro and then you know it's like boom 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 and and it happens in other fields too
2: right absolutely and so we all have to um the 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 fun part actually is if if you're willing to go ahead and fail or not be that great be mediocre it's then you can actually go and push yourself and get and, and get to be as good as you can in whatever you're doing you know, and I was like a bench warmer in like three sports, <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it's yeah. like, Hey, I learned a lot in each case trying to be as good as I could. So, um, and then I'm a mediocre musician and, you know, it's so the list of stuff I'm really no good at. is like really long, but it, it doesn't mean you're not going to have fun doing it. Well, if you want now, to really
0: on. see some mediocre, you should listen to this podcast, <laughs> right? No, not the guests, but the host. <laughs> no, no, no. But, um, I think uh, just
2: to kind of tie it in, I think we're really, you know, talking about the crypto space as I want to make a point here, which is if you're going to enter an expanding universe, then you don't have to be the best. If you're going to go into something that's fixed and sclerotic and unchanging well, then, then, you know, you're going to be competing against everybody that's got an inside edge, right? The insiders right. or the people with natural talent. But if you're entering a new uh, field that's expanding fast, like crypto and blockchain, then you can make your mark um, without being, you know, the super top That's elite. correct.
0: That's correct. So usually, you know, I take this show to hey, well, tell me about you, what you did. I know you, I, I know you lived in Berkeley, blah, blah, blah. You're living in Hawaii now. But I, I just I'm sorry. We got, just got to go now right now so so let's let's talk about crypto let's talk about how you first saw it and what it means to you and i really want you to speak at at just just wherever you want to want to go so i mean everybody is calling it tulip mania which it's not right and i mean there's so much you can talk about it but i david shut up go ahead okay well thank you very much for the intro (laughs) and um I, i guess it's like for
2: me i learned about bitcoin first from readers and so in other words people in 2009 you know right at the beginning uh, within a few months of of satoshi's paper um emailed me and said hey um what do you what do you know about this or have you heard about bitcoin and so of course then i was curious right and so um, um i read the satoshi paper to the best of my ability <clears throat> and i started following it and i and um because I'm lazy, um, I I kind of realized it wasn't that easy to buy Bitcoin um, at that at that early early days, and so I kind of just was on the sidelines watching and thinking about this, you know, and so then um, kind of fast forward as I learned more, um, and I wrote this book about my ideas called "A Radically Beneficial World," um, and and uh, the the core one of the core ideas in this book, which was published in 2015. Was a labor-backed cryptocurrency, in other words, a cryptocurrency that wasn't mined, or it wasn't just issued um, by you know a central bank or something. It was actually only issued if labor had been um, completed um, on yeah. a task that served the community, and then the community mm. um, entity would then issue this this crypto to um, the workers. And it was it was a, a kind of like third. Uh, way, in other words, we we depend on the the government, right, the state, and then we depend on the market, right, and so uh, what I was proposing is crypto could serve a as a third um, kind of uh, economy that for people who were left out of either the government or the market economy, they could still make a living, and um, crypto would be the key decisive element in this idea because crypto had unique capabilities that would enable this idea to actually, you know, come to fruition. And then um, I I started thinking, hey, this book is, you know, maybe it's important enough. I should find people to translate it into other languages. And so a gentleman, um, a native German speaker who was living in Latin America, you know, contacted me. And so I said, yeah, sure, go ahead. Let's let's do this. shall i pay you and he says well with bitcoin of course and i said okay great (laughs) so then that that kind of motivated me to get into actually opening an account you know and and um buying it um and then i also ended up paying some um two venezuelan um academics to translate the book into spanish so i i kind of got into crypto from the utility side and that's a little different than a lot of people are getting into it as a speculative uh venture and and um so I'm, I'm much more interested in the utility side of it.
0: Well, talk about that. <clears throat> I mean, it's funny because <clears throat> when <clears throat> there's an exponentiation, which is happening, right? We, well, there's, a, there's a lot of things that are actually happening right now. Number one, there's, there's, there's gross money printing, right? There's this yeah. appetite uh, for these massive social programs that involve the, just the rapid, exponentiated printing of money that's not sustainable. Right. And these things, every, everybody is seeing that the, now I'm not going to call it wealth inequality, the ability to actually just pay for basic things, whatever things are, mansions, yachts, all the way to a piece of cheese, right? A gallon of gas is going up, right? And what they're not realizing is a lot of them, they're not realizing the causation is massive money printing, but they're realizing it now, right? And so <clears throat> people are going to crypto for a, a way an equalizer, right? It's like they, they're hurting, so they're going to it. I mean, that's that's not all of them, but it's a speculation and it's an equalizer. And do you agree or disagree with my my hypothesis?
2: No, I think you make a very good point. And let's um let's break that down a little bit because um, I think the way I would uh, state what you um, just said is that um, if 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 you've earned some sort of money with your labor, which is the vast majority of, of people, if you can buy something that's going to hold its value, that's going to give you an edge over being forced to own uh, a form of money uh, like a fiat currency that's losing value. Right. And so that's the equalizer aspect of it. is it that that crypto, at least uh, so far has been a, um, a a form of money that doesn't, um, that can't be engineered to lose its value by the central state or the central bank. <coughs> and, and so that's the equalizer part. The, the other part that worries me though, or that concerns me is that um, this mechanism whereby the central banks issue, you know, endless trillions to um, those at the top of the wealth power pyramid, right? Like in other words, if you and I each had a hundred billion dollar corporation, well, then we can borrow almost essentially unlimited amounts of right. money for like a tenth of one percent. Well, if we're smart, then we use that money, which is has no value. It's totally disconnected from the creation of value, right? We can just take this funny money, which I call counterfeit money, because that's really what it is, and then we can buy cryptocurrencies with this, with this fake, you know, counterfeit right. money. And then we have something real. And so the closer you are to the source of that counterfeit money the more crypto you can buy and that's my concern because I think the the, the super wealthy of the world um, are, are glomming on to crypto and you know they've got you know vaults in Switzerland and everything just like they have you know vaults in Switzerland for their gold right yep. and so that's my concern is that um, I, what I want to see develop over the horizon in crypto is is a way to turn labor into capital in the form of cryptocurrencies. Now the way it is now is you work at your you know your crummy corporate America job or whatever and you <laughs> don't and mince you're, words. <laughs> and uh, you know and and you're a wage slave and a debt surf and then if you can scrape up 100 bucks then you can buy a crypto. And and um so that's that's um that's really not the ideal situation. What I'd like to see is you go ahead and work at whatever your job is and you can take your entire paycheck in crypto that's the goal mm-hmm. and so that and so then you're not uh, because what what it is now is most people are are not able to save enough to make um a, a dent in in their um lifetime security right i yeah. mean it, and, and this is another issue that i have with with cryptos is sure those of us who got in early and of course, there's many people who brag about getting Bitcoin for a dollar or ten bucks or under a hundred, and then that, that's fine. And if you got in under a thousand, you actually you're doing pretty good. But you know, the early adopters had tremendous advantage, and so um, we can't really equalize that. Well,
0: talk about but... that advantage. That's it's, its important. You you talk about that advantage. Ooh, yeah, I'm okay. so excited okay. you said well, that.
2: Yeah, just it, it's it's like um, in any investment. Those that got in and and got the the, the shares or the or the the, um, the coins at, you know at a dollar and and then it goes to a hundred or a thousand, obviously have a tremendous advantage over the person paying a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand, because the, that person is facing if they're lucky maybe they'll get a double or a triple where the other person bagged you know like a hundred for
0: yeah a hundred yeah hundred or a thousand x versus the person yeah. that actually right 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 uh, yeah.
2: and, and so then it sort of becomes an insider situation and and i think we uh, people don't like to talk about this because it's um it it uh changes your view of of crypto when you realize that just as there's insiders when stock is issued then and those insiders have the majority of the yep. shares yeah and they can um they have an inside track and they also have the power to uh, you know kind of uh adjust the price because they have they have the uh, the bulk the mass yeah. and so um, that means that as a speculative vehicle you you have to really keep an eye on how many whales there are and of course that it's
0: true of of apple stock or a biotech startup or or of a cryptocurrency. So in your book <clears throat> will you be richer or poor? I I I just know it is that. That's not the entire title. What's the entire right. title? Good enough. Okay. Yeah, in your book that you wrote which I read by the way. Thank you David for making me read books. Right? Will you be richer
1: or poor? You're poorer? welcome.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> will you be richer or poor? Um I think you were talking about this exact same type type of concept on all things on where are you on technology? right? Are you the person that thought that getting computers to talk to each other would be a good idea? Bill Gates, right? Are you the guy that ta- thought that electric cars would be a good idea? Elon. You you understand what I'm saying, versus the person that just uses Windows, or now has to rent Windows, versus the person that actually, you know, bought electric car, Tesla, or the person that actually <clears throat> will actually use the electric car that drives to them based on their universal basic income <laughs> coin, right? I mean, that's I'm kind of like adding. You didn't say it that way, but you, your book made me think, and now I'm, you know, giving it back to you in a way. Can you comment on that as it relates to crypto? Well,
1: and and also, I, I mean, here's here's what I was gonna, I was thinking about what you were just saying. I mean, it all comes, I always think about this. It always it always comes back down to time, right? We have so limited time, and anything that we do. I mean, how do you maximize time? How do you maximize your time to get in a workout so you're not getting distracted for, for during the day? Well, you got to get up early in the morning, know everyone's sleeping, right? That kind of thing. And, and I think what you're talking about is that time, the, the fact that the money, go, the value of the money goes down, right? You, you work for less money as time goes on, right? And that, you know, you're, you're essentially, you're a debt slave to that, right? Unless you take a hold of that time and make it your own. And, and I think that's the key here is like that, and that, and that what does that lead to? Freedom true freedom if you can get it. Yeah, I mean that's that's what we're ultimately. I mean, it's not about I I don't I don't want money because of because I'm like, you know I like the feel of it or anything I I want money because it gives me the freedom to do whatever I want. Yeah,
0: I I I Agree with you and I like the feel of it. There's a lot. There's there's a lot to unpack there. Charles Do you want can you just take whatever bite of that apple you can?
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd love to it's a it's a it's a big topic and I'm glad you guys raised it. Um I think one one of the points I was making in the book uh, Will you be rich or poor was to to ask questions about the idea that technology was going to free us uh more or less by magic and none of us would have to work again and we'd all just get uh free money for doing nothing and um and that's a kind of part of the universal basic income thing it's part of the mo- uh, modern monetary theory and I I I um I find that implausible and also not necessarily that that um, good of a thing. And and here's my reasoning. Uh, in the book, I go through the um, a lot of the technologies that people sort of uh, put a lot of faith in. And, and to me, it's kind of a quasi religious experience to believe that technology can um, is unlimited. And, you know, there's going to be um, all these robots doing everything for us and um, and then no real question of like, where's all the material coming to build this robot? <laughs> and um, where's the energy coming to run the robot, recharge it, and maintain it, and then recycle it, and all this other stuff? So I have questions about, I think there's limits on technology that are just common sense. Um, but it conflicts with people's quasi-religious uh, fervor that, that um of some future where technology does all of our work. The other point I, I've been trying to make in my books is actually work. Um, which, to your guys' point, ideally you choose the work that you want to do, most at least some of it, and that that work inspires you. It, it gives you an idealistic uh, goal, and um, and it does it it encourages you to do your best work, right? And then your best work is not only improving your life and as as, as self expression and uh, the um, maturation of your skill set and but you're also helping the larger society because you're doing good work, right? right. So I think we're denigrated work, uh, and and it's a subtle uh, process. And I think it's been denigrated for at least two generations.
0: Yeah, it's not so subtle. We we get people jo- <laughs> no no we get people jobs for a living, right? So you have to understand, you know. And, and now it's 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 not. It used to be. I'll just say when I started like in 1988 as a, a professional recruiter, right. How much does it pay? I could go, it pays X more than you're making. I'm there, right? And now we've gone from how much does it pay to this generation to why would somebody want to work here, right? I mean, so, and, and the why would somebody want to work here speaks to the uh, the, the generation, right? And also, I, I hate to do this, right? But since we're here, we're talking about getting jobs. We need to guys get a word from our sponsor real quick, Charles. You don't mind, do you? Absolutely not. It's all about work and jobs. I (laughs) love it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're all about labor, getting paid for your labor correctly, authentically, uh, accurately with the correct price, then we're your guys. So, Travis, who is the uh, podcast uh, sponsored by today? Blockchainrecruiters.net. Blockchainrecruiters.net. Like we said at the beginning of the show, if you're looking for a job in the blockchain space or you're looking for someone... You got a you need blockchain people <clears throat> in that way. Then you need to contact us. And you know, here's the deal. It's just it's got. It used to be David that we would list. Hey, I got a couple of these candidates. I got. We just have too many. All right. So here's what I'm going to say. We've got full stack developers. Anything you can think of in the blockchain, including art uh, art uh, appraisers, right for the NFTs, right? Validators, custodians. Uh, People that actually build NFT warehouses, this thing is just blowing up. So if you want a job in the blockchain space, crypto space, NFT space, then you get a hold of us at Blockchain Recruiters. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm uh, the BTC Recruiter. And that's a really good way to get a hold of me as well. And uh, you can actually get a hold of Robo Recruiter over here, right? uh, If I'm too busy, right? Yeah, uh, Dave
1: at Dave at dot net. You can you yeah, you My phone number, uh, Travis. No, that's, no,
0: no. Don't, yeah.
1: That's David James. phone number. Yeah,
0: let's, <laughs> let's 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 let's. Uh, I I yeah. We gotta get that phone number because my phone number just blows up. It just I want a job. I want a job. I want a job.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, anyways, we. I mean, we're we're ranging from chief technology officers, blockchain engineers, marketing managers, and and again, the key thing is is that you're not having to have. Like the crypto knowledge per se, as much as having the passion for it, the aptitude that go, goes the ability to do it, but most importantly is the right attitude that's right, right and,
0: right. and i ju- i just I just want everybody to know that um, we we, have, we what we do at blockchain recruiters we aggregate people, we aggregate candidates that aren't candidates yet in in the blockchain space, so our staff, they're taking all the profiles. Of any anything you can think of in the blockchain area, and we're putting them at, we're finding their phone numbers and emails. So when you call us, we know how to get them real quick. But I want to get back. So thank you, blockchain recruiters. Thank you for sponsoring us. Yay! I want to come back to Charles. Back to Charles. And I want to ask this question. So I want to give a bit of a narrative. I'm going to tell you something I saw, and I want you to speak on it. I feel that governments right and i i don't want to just say the deep state or any of this stuff right it's i believe that the deep state is this momentum of people who are in bureaucracies that either care for their thing or by default don't care about the main thing right i consider that the the dmv is a deep state right because you didn't get your license because either you made that gal mad because you were rude or you know she's off on 10 months of maternity leave because that's what the government employ- and, and so basically cause and effect kind of thing that's that's my version of the deep state and no one's going to convince me any different right because they're just human beings and most human beings are doing the best they can within their own sphere most right <clears throat> but i believe that these people at the the influence of power right are holding on to it quite tightly to a eluding string Right? When I think about the people in Davos, I think about Elizabeth Warren, all these people with, with their grand ideas. <clears throat> and it specifically brings me to the central bank digital currency. right? And what they'll be able to do with the central bank digital currencies, they'll be able to say, hey, everybody, here's your free central bank digital wallet. If you download it, we'll give you $5,000. You can spend on anything you want. right? And all you have to do is now use this thing. The problem that I see happening with this thing is people will actually, the, the people of power will say, "Well, you're, you know, you're an elite, you, et cetera, et cetera, but you're a marginalized." So the marginalized people will get one hundred and forty percent, and the 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 elite, the whatever that that class is, will get less. <clears throat> or we see that you you're spending it on this, you know, you eat at McDonald's too much, right? So you're going to be penalized, and and all this thing is coming, and it's. I think nothing is going to launch us into a type of civil unrest. I'm not going to say civil war. A civil unrest, a civil upheaval, a civil disobedience in the CBDC. But China wanted to actually front run, right, the, the U.S. dollar. As you know, five, for my listeners, 5% of the world is the United States, but 88% of the world uses the U.S. dollar because we, we brokered a really good deal after World War II. More than land was you, you use our dollar, Right, and so I believe that China already has done this. They've launched their CBDC, the digital yuan, because they want to front-run the dollar in places like Africa, right? P- places in India, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <clears throat> and that's why China kicked out all of the miners and, and and really did everything they could to eradicate Bitcoin, which I think made it stronger. So I know these are theories that you can speak on. Can you can you just take whatever bites of the apple you wish on what I just talked about?
2: <clears throat> love to thank you very much um let, let me just uh, start with a comment that um is core to my thinking which is that um the middle class comes from turning um having an economy that allows them to turn labor into capital okay and that's that's the key transformation turn your labor into capital that right. then is productive it produces income and it pro- provides security right so when we think back on like the bad old days of exploitive capitalism <clears throat> yesterday. <clears throat> no, I mean the 19th century. Um, you know, people worked and they could barely get by, right? And there was, they were paid so little, they had no ability to save anything, right? They just barely uh, made their daily bread and that was it. And so they could not turn their labor into capital. Whereas uh, in the 20th century, why did we get a middle class? Well, it was because uh, wages went up, productivity went up. Um, and so people were able to say, well, I, I'm, I'm making enough money now that I can buy a house, right? And then that the the house is an asset, or I can buy a savings bond that pays me, you know, four and a half percent. And then they had an income stream. And so that's what generates a middle class. And when you don't allow labor to be transformed into capital because wages have stagnated or the money's being inflated away. which is the case now, then you don't have a middle class. And if you don't have a middle class, then you have an unstable society, right? Because then you have rich and poor. And so that's that's systematically unstable. And then you get a government that's overthrown or you get a revolution or you get a, a depression or whatever because that's just unstable. So to go back to your question about digital currencies, what you're describing is exactly the idea, the plan, right? Like, let's co-opt the whole crypto space by issuing our own digital currency, which we control the issuance of, right? right? And meaning that there's no mining or there's no limits on what they, uh, how much of this digital currency they create or who they give it to. And so, as you say, <clears throat> they can look at um, the your digital wallet that they issue you, which looks... Um, Kind of like a a fairy tale, right? Ooh, free money! Everybody's going to grab it. Then they look (laughs) at, as you say, how you're going to spend the money. Oh, you're a patron of of Two Minds. Sorry, you got canceled. Right? (laughs) We don't like that guy. So your your digital wallet's now zero. Yeah, hate hate speech. Hate speech. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And so um, (laughs) um, this is the exact opposite. It's like a nightmare. Um, It's the exact opposite of what the crypto dream um and and promise was yeah no talk about
0: this yeah go go yeah Yeah, let let, let this
2: horse ride (laughs) so the 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 idealized version of crypto which everyone um those of us who are fans of the whole concept um is that it's decentralized that it can't be controlled by a central authority and and uh, we're very wary of all attempts by central authority to control it so I think it might be, and I don't and I have no uh, reason to uh, no justification. There's nothing in writing that I can point to. But following the the thinking that um, that you had about what are the elites thinking? Well, the elites realize they can't, you know get the horse back in in the stable, right? So then their choice is to co-opt crypto. They can't control it. Well, then let's just co-opt it, right? Let's buy up the most valuable ones ourselves with our funny money. And then let's let's um, herd the masses into our version of cryptocurrency, which we control um, by there's seven people in a room that get to control, you know, who gets it and how much. So that's the exact opposite of what the idea was. So where does that lead us? Um, is anybody going to not spend their free money from the Fed or the Central Bank of China? No, they're going to go ahead and spend it. And um, that level of control is is. Um, is is very powerful.
1: <clears throat> so how do we
2: how do we evade that?
0: Well, that's um, maybe you guys want to speak to that. How how do we get around that? What you do is you take all your CBDC and you invest it in Evergrande. That's what you do. Right. <laughs> so, anyhow. No, no. You, you, you think Bitcoin was a good buy at a dollar? You could get Evergrande right now for like one million a dollar right One millionth, on one, right now. One yeah. millionth yeah. of a cent yeah. on it's the dollar. It's gonna go up. It's oh, gonna no. go up. It's too big to fail, <laughs> right? Just like Lehman Brothers. Um, yeah. It's uh, <clears throat> look. There is this. There is this bifurcation that is coming, right? And. I just, there are just two kinds of, of folks, those that realize that the thing is broken and those that will. That's, that's just the way I see it. And I don't have any of these answers, right? I don't have the Che Guevara uh, answer for the people. I, I don't. I, I mean, when you talk about uh, being that C plus student, I, my, my manipulation of my ascension in consciousness as I call it <clears throat> was by making choices about being around people who I thought were smarter than me that would have me in spite of me i'm being honest at all facets. I like to golf with golfers who are much better than me because I learn more right i I, I don't go to those who will agree. I go to those that, that keep speaking, and I just think they're brilliant because they've tapped into an area of consciousness I'm not trying to go too too you know all uh, ethereal here, but it, but it's what i it's what I think so <clears throat> I mean. There, there's a lot we can talk about that. And so it goes back to the simple thing. For, so this show, Bit About Crypto, is we talk little bits about crypto. And, and this, if you're new to crypto within the last 18 months, and you listen to Charles, David, and myself speak, There'll be few things you'll get, a few things you won't get. But if you listen to it in three years from now, you'll go, oh, that makes total sense now, right? We it's not that we were speaking above you. You just haven't like risen in the amount of uh gray matter that you need to grasp for conceptual. It's like seeing physics, right? You gotta start with math. Yeah. I mean <laughs> Go I, ahead.
1: I, I I mean, I think this is I think Bitcoin, crypto, I think I think what it's what it's coming down to it's a philosophical choice of freedom. I mean, I, I come back to that idea. I really come back to you know, living right, and what does that look like? And so, you know, I think uh, I, I, I mean, in my life, the things that I, the choices that I have made have got me to this point. Have been I, I, I followed a guy named Dave Ramsey. He said, "Cash is king, debt is dumb." Right. So get out of debt. That's that's. I think that's one of the first things that we, we got to do is is you get out of debt. Then that, that provides an ultimate freedom. To a point where you can start. I mean, you can start saving, you can start investing, you can start spending, you can start giving all that, all those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, and to that point, uh, I'll say this to you, Charles. Right, everybody's. You know, everybody. When I go and speak to people about jobs, even if it's jobs I don't know about, I know about it, getting people jobs, and I say, I want you to be in love with yourself and be in love with the thing you're doing, without falling out of love with yourself. And specifically, people in the golf industry, they got these great ideas that they're going to make a living paying golf. Well, then you're going to get married, and she's going to want a baby. And then she's going to want a house. Then she's going to want a bigger house, right? And, and, and so we find ourselves becoming emotional, material debt slaves, unbeknownst on how we actually got there, right? And for where David and I are right now, we, we actually, because we're debt-free, right, and because, you know, we've, we've got a little bit of crypto, nothing to brag about, right? But we actually, as we uh, take on clients, we say, yeah, you're going to be difficult as opposed to, hey, we really need the money right? It, it, it's, it's been a freedom for us. But to your point on what you were saying, how could we speak on that? People are going to learn what the difference and what the real meaning of centralization and decentralization is, right? There are a lot of people who say, I got Bitcoin because it's decentralized. I go, yeah, where do you have it? They say, Coinbase. I say, you're not decentralized, Okay. You're centralized. Because yeah, it's like the, having
1: your money in the bank.
0: The same person that has the authority to actually seize your money, the IRS, the Justice Department, someone who sues you, whatever it is, they can actually tell Coinbase, you can't actually have access to it. Please give it to us, just like the can of bank account. So I think what happens is this concept of centralization versus decentralization, you know, there, there's a lot of awareness, but not nearly as it is in the mainstream. And I'm going to just say something that happened, right, because, you know, you – I, I knew you were gonna bring you were gonna evoke so many emotions in me, Charles. What you have, and thank you for that. But you know, I'm I, I come from like I don't come from any money. I don't come from like any type of entitlement. I've worked for everything, and my parents have all worked on both sides. And I there was a time in my life uh, like 25 years ago when I was upper lower class, and now I make more, and I'm I I I know I, I was lower upper class and now I make more and I'm upper lower class, right? Because that, that middle class does not exist. It does not exist. It just, it just doesn't. So, but what I wanted to say to you is, I'm just changing topics here a little bit, or I just wanna ask you, when I listen to progressives speak, Right And the progressives, usually, right now, they're talking about you know, the gender identity and the whole thing, and I'm not trying to get on either side of that, but one of the things I hear them say, and I don't know how to, how to respond to this, or even how to even in, 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 take it into my own psyche is, why are they saying that capitalism is something to be mentioned as a form of an antagonist in a book or in a movie, not a protagonist? Like capitalism, I mean, everything that's good about America is, is built on capitalism. And why are they saying capitalism in a bad way? Well, that's
2: an excellent um, question and um, I'll answer it for myself. Um, Not as a progressive, but just as somebody who's read Marx and um, uh, I can't claim to be an expert or an academic in it, but I I get the critique and I, I get the positive sides as well. Right. The Adam Smith is um if we go back to the roots of capitalism uh per adam smith there's a moral foundation in fact adam right. smith's less famous book is not You're the right. wealth, wealth, of wealth of nations it's yeah. it's the it's the moral side yes, that has right. to be a moral foundation right. and we've lost that in america because we have absolutely where our economy is dominated by centralized entities monopolies and cartels you know like here's your cable choices oh there's right. one yeah. that's nice yeah. oh and here's your healthcare choices there's two but mm-hmm. they charge the same amount yeah, we've merged we've, we've acquired <laughs> yeah. right yeah yeah and then here's your social media cartels you know and so it's like i think what we need to do is uh, look at capitalism with a small c small scale small scale local markets work right <clears throat> decentralized markets that's the idea like the original form of capitalism was the
0: the uh, trade fairs in Right, Europe. right, right. Yeah, like like think David Copperfield, not the magician here in Vegas, but like the the book David Copperfield, right, or Oliver Twist, right, out to the markets.
2: Yeah, and in fact, like even like the 1500s, where people went to these huge local markets, and and um, and then they brought what they had to trade and sell, and there was horse trading, and then and people used paper, right, because there wasn't enough gold and silver. You know, before right. <clears throat> uh, before the uh, uh, the Spaniards um, exploited Latin America, <laughs> there wasn't enough gold and silver, so people had these sort of um, you know bills of lading and stuff like that. And uh, uh, but so that at that level, capitalism is extremely powerful because it rewards innovators, it rewards experimentation, and then you and the, and the cost of failure is not so high that you can't pick yourself up and try something else, right? So that's kind of what I see as the promise of crypto as well. And so let me just sketch out this sort of my crypto fantasy, this idealized version of it. And it's it's related to the moral foundation of capitalism. And it's also to uh, speaking to poverty globally, right? In other words, I, I know some of my readers have done stuff like gone up uh, a river in a canoe to a village in um, Africa to set up a uh, direct current solar panel so the residents can charge their their uh, mobile phones and so on. And um, y- you realize there's a lot of poverty in the world. And so then you go, well, how could crypto and blockchain uh, address that? Is-, is there a potential for to change the world in a fundamental fashion? Not just for those of us in the wealthy countries, but people who uh, don't have much opportunity. And the answer is, well, yes. I'd say a huge, uh, wild, screaming, wacky uh, <laughs> yes. And the reason, why that could work is that you could have this community-based cryptos that are not mined, so you don't need like huge electrical energy. You don't need um, a centralized power plant and all that other stuff. It's issued, like I said, for labor, since we're talking about work and labor and turning labor into capital, then I think cryptos have potential there. And if that were um, a global uh, non, you know non nonprofit or or we could even say an open source, kind of like, a Linux version of crypto, right? Where anybody can look at the code and go, okay, we, we can tweak this, but it's it's open source and it's transparent. Then you're giving people the means to engage that small scale capitalism. But don't
0: you think that possibly if we go to a Bitcoin standard, right? And let's just speed the tape up where everybody everything's priced in satoshis, right? As opposed to dollars. that That in fact exact thing happens. What you're talking about, Charles, is you're talking about sound money without like some picture of Kobe Bryant being attached to it, right? Or without like a quadrillion of them being made, right? Or no use case, right? And let's not forget that Bitcoin is the largest financial network in the history of the planet. It's bigger than Visa, it is. And then when people say, well, somebody will just make another, uh, another blockchain, that's like saying, well, that's just like me making a new Facebook, right? They've got the network, it's already there. So, my question to you is, do you see the possibility that bitcoin could be that thing that you talk about?
2: well, I'd say it's it's half of of the of the solution um and let me kind of try to clarify that uh, I think back in two thousand and sixteen, I wrote a, a blog post about um bitcoin being um a potential reserve currency ah, I remember or, that I read it yeah. At, Or or, or let's say, let's not use Bitcoin per se, although that's one model of cryptos. Um, But let's just say cryptocurrency as a broader field could be a reserve currency, especially for a poor nation, right? A nation that didn't have oil that it could sell for fiat currencies or gold or or whatever. El Salvador. So it's El Salvador, for example. And so as we as we know, part of why capitalism with a big capital C has a bad reputation globally is that when you um, control the money issuance, right. <laughs> such as the dollar, right. then you control nations because then you can extend very cheap credit in dollars. Ah, but you must borrow in dollars. That's dollar-denominated debt. And what we do to the dollar breaks you or makes you. That's Sorry right. about right. that yeah so you've got if you want to change the world economy you've got to change the reserve currencies you've got to introduce an option for poor countries to say well we now have a reserve currency we don't actually need to borrow dollars right right you know so that means that you know and so i think you're right about bitcoin could be that system but you have to have a currency that turns labor into capital because if you're some poor person in a in a remote village around the world, you're not going to have the means to buy any Bitcoin. I'm sorry, you've got to be able to have that, and so that's cause. where I'm looking at my crypto labor-backed crypto. Is that I, I think there's a missing piece in that puzzle, and that's um, that's what I propose.
0: Right, uh, David. Did you write a question? Do you have a question you want to ask him? No. Okay, I didn't know. Okay, mm-hmm. so. Um, you know what? What happens is I, I've heard people talk like we're in a civil war, right? I mean, this abortion thing won't stand, or th- this gun thing won't stand, or the Second Amendment won't stand, or, or or if Trump's elected, or Trump's not elected, or whoever, yeah, this won't stand. It's like yeah, a lot of people will actually scream that, right? And they'll they'll go straight, you know, uh, vocal, but it won't go, you know, pitchforks and uh, and torches, right? As, as until personal personal uh, euphoria and, and just a sense of harmony is now personal dysphoria and fear. And there are a lot of things I see could actually set this thing off, right. For example, we've got this whole vaccine thing, right? And that you want to talk about a nation divided, right? Whichever side you're on, but you can just see that we that it's like there's a whole Mason-Dixon line, right of consciousness with each person. And there's also but there's there's a lot of things that people aren't thinking about that the, the possibility if I, I, I'm just going to say this and I'm trying to my only political speak is, is that I, I'm strong in the belief of crypto. Right. But I don't yeah. endorse or, or oppose any politician, whatever. But Joe Biden is very weak. Right. He's, he's very weak. And yeah, literally. Yeah, Literally, mind, body, and spirit. Okay? Uh-huh. And I, I really just, I'd really like to know who's really calling the shots there. But I, I don't think that our adversaries or the other nations are stupid. I think China knows it. I think Russia knows it. Right? And if Russia was to actually invade Crimea, or if China was to actually invade Taiwan. Which they have. Right? Or if North Korea, South Korea, not likely, right? But Israel and one of the you know ho- hostile nations to them yeah. you know all of a sudden that involves supply lines worse than they actually are now right and i just it's i just don't see this thing getting better and for me i the only thing i see happening is the fall of the american republic the way the soviet republic fell i just I just don't, I'm not trying to be a naysayer. I love the whole idea of what America was built on. I really love the freedoms we used to have. <laughs> but, but what I really want to say to you is, yeah, uh, go ahead and prognosticate fantasy. How does, what happens and how does it end?
2: <coughs> wow. These are, you guys ask great <laughs> questions. And, uh, so Uh, I think I'll I'll start. But as you guys both know, because you're both readers of my blog, I often refer to Peter Turchin, you know, uh, uh, amongst other historians like David Hackett Fisher. There's been a lot of guys who look at cycles in history. And of course, cycles are not just um, you can say, oh, well, they're just pulled out of thin air. But actually, the human uh, mind, you know, wetware 1.0 um, is actually fairly predictable, you know, it goes mm-hmm. in cycles. Yep. And so uh, in Turchin's view, uh, you know, societies go through these cycles where people find a reason to cooperate, and that's integrative, you know, uh, that, that's, um, that's an up cycle. Then that degrades, and people find reasons to disagree and, and, and to not cooperate, and that's disintegrative, and that's the, the cycle you're describing that we're in right now. <clears throat> and um, Turchin was, uh, was kind of dismissed as some wacko, and then he predicted like 10 years ago that the cycle would turn in 2020, and then voila, and suddenly now he's a guru, right? So um, it helps to be right. But um, <laughs> I, I think in, in that disintegrative phase, okay, what could bring us together? And I say, okay, well, crypto is one element that could be a positive force to, to create a sense of let's cooperate, I have a reason to cooperate with you. I, and and I no longer care about your political views because we are brothers and sisters in a um, crypto community that's doing good work. And I want to talk about the idealistic aspect of it. You know, that idealism is an, a very important part of the human psyche and spirit, right? It's like hope. And so crypto is, to me, filled with idealistic possibilities. And of course, a lot of the churn we see is like, well, I'm going to get rich.
0: Okay, that's fine.
2: You know, as as, as uh, Deng Xiaoping said in China, to get rich is glorious, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Whatever that means. Be careful what you ask for, right? <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> well, I think the thing that I want to say is, let's get rich, but let's be productive in, right. in getting rich. In other words, let's do something right. good for the world with with crypto and blockchain. Wait, wait, wait. You don't think Dogecoin solves that?
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. I
2: don't want to get a I don't want a target drawn on my back. Um,
0: <laughs> right, right, no, no, no. Charles didn't say that. David did. <laughs> da- David Hampton said that, not David James. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. But I think that what I'm what I'm um inspired by your guys' business is that I want to see people who, who see the idealistic uh potential for blockchain and crypto to get a chance to contribute. And of course, we can't all change the world single-handedly, but we can do our, our own piece of it, right? And so when, when we're talking about these idealized things like um, you know, maybe making, uh, making a dent in world poverty or, or designing a crypto or blockchain that could end up being a reserve currency and, um, and free the people of these nations to do more with their own labor, I mean, these are big ideas. And I think that they're, um, they're all potentially within reach in this generation. So uh, I just want to kind of mention that in, in terms of the people who are listening that might actually think, well, can I can I call these guys and get a job, even though um, I, I only know, you know, C plus plus. Yes. Or, you know, yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Call us. Yeah. That's exactly the person we want. Right. I mean, you know, a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. Right. Start that step. Right. And so and a lot of people are saying, well, I should have gotten to this coin earlier or that coin earlier, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's not, right.
1: It's not about that.
0: Well, it is and it isn't. Right. But the fact of the matter is, is that you you need to actually you might be part of the genesis of something that's way bigger than anything we've seen yet. Right. But you you got to be in it to win it. Right. So as you can tell, I'm a cheerleader. Hey, so Charles, can I tell everybody uh, if they want to find you or your blog or where they where they can find you.
2: Yeah, please visit me at of minds.com And there's sample chapters of all my books. And um, if you have trouble uh, getting to sleep, then
0: there's all my archives are free and, you know... <laughs> No, 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 no. It, it will keep you awake because he makes you think. So, yeah, no, there's only one person on the show that gets the self-deprecate, and that's Dave Hampton over there, all right? So anyhow, uh, Charles U. Smith, thank you so much for just the, what I can see, the bequeathment of generosity yeah, of your time. The enlightenment. Yeah, it's so good. Thank you so much. for, And we're going to have you back on. You know that, right?
2: I hope so because you guys ask great questions. Well,
0: yeah, think of some more more cool things to say and let me know. Now I'm I'm (laughs) so anyway, I want to say thank you, Travis, our engineer. Thank you. Another good week. Thank Thank you, Travis. Thank you very much. And of course, I couldn't do without my uh, co-host, Robo Recruiter, Dave Hampton. Eternally grateful. And remember, I'm David James, and you can call me. You know, really, you can email me. You find me on Twitter. Don't call me. Uh, And remember, everybody, can't whisper. (laughs)